This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 8th to the 14th of August. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Money. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ezzie. Looking forward to this lot. What is there something to look forward to this month? Why don't you tell us all about what's coming up this week? Well, this week, we're going to... It makes a nice change, this. We're actually going to start with the evening sky. I know. It's a shock. We're normally always dealing with morning. That's because the planets are mainly in the morning sky, but not always now we're getting closer to having some of them in the evening sky. So we're in the evening sky at the moment, and the moon is the dominant thing. We, we always observe the moon. There's lots of times when the moon is close to various objects. Uh, <clears throat> we start the week on the 8th. The moon is in Sagittarius itself, and it lies above Gamma Sagittarii. So, you know, that's a nice way of finding it. So you, if you see a bright star below the moon, that's that particular star. It's a good way sometimes of identifying a constellation and recognising the pattern of the stars when you see the moon next to a particular star. And in fact, the next evening, it does the same thing, because the next evening on the 9th is to the left of Tau Sagittarii. So, you know, again, another one. And there's a nice grouping of stars there. I mean, Sagittarius always looks like 
a teapot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, and it's the way how we were looking at it. If we're looking at around about eleven o'clock, it actually is slightly tilted as if it's actually beginning to pour out. All we need is a cup <laughs> in the sort is of there, southeast. But, <laughs> there is a reason they call it the teapot yeah. asterism. Yes, yeah, so fitting we haven't got an asterism of a cup next to it, sort of. But we haven't got a teaspoon, <laughs> which actually on the ninth is above towel. And, and higher up sort of thing. So it's the other, it's a bit of a, a nice, I always think it's, it's about to put the tea bag in the teapot. So I think <laughs> that, that's my view. Cause you wouldn't put sugar in the teapot, would you sort of, but you put a tea bag or the, the actual tea itself. If you were a traditionalist and like the actual tea, not in a bag. <laughs> I can't stand all the messing about with those. So a bag for me sort of thing. So the moon though is gradually moving over. Now, and sometimes you find it takes at least two days to cross a constellation. I mean, Virgo, it takes three, and sometimes if it's at the very start of Virgo, it can actually take four days to actually cross the whole constellation. So some constellations are really big. So the 8th and the 9th, it crosses Sagittarius. On the 10th and 11th, it's actually in Capricornus. Now, on the 11th, it's interesting because in actual fact, it's getting closer to Saturn. Saturn? Saturn? We're talking about the evening sky. What's happened? We're normally in the morning sky. Well, Saturn is so far across on that parade now, it is rising before midnight, well before. In fact, mm. it's riding around about half past nine. So it's mm. getting closer to being easier to see in the evening sky. We'll deal with Saturn shortly because there's a good reason for that. Uh, so uh, we'll come back to that. But full moon is to the lower right of Saturn. Well, actually occurs, uh, sorry, on the, yes, just to the lower right. The thing about this is that the full moon technically occurs in the early hours of the 12th. But on the night of the 11th, it's actually the moon will look full. I mean, to the naked eye, it's very difficult. Either side of full moon, you know, you can, it can look full for two nights running. Because to the naked eye, you don't get that resolution to actually see there's a very subtle hint of little bit darkness still left on the actual limb. So, Actually, on the 11th, it's above Zeta Capricorni and to the lower right of Saturn. But by the time you get into the early hours of the morning, what you find is the moon is actually below Saturn, sort of thing. But that's in the early hours of the morning itself, so on the 12th. So uh, there we go. So if you like staying out, you'll better see the motion of the moon as it moves across and ends up being under Saturn itself. Now, the 14th. We've got to talk about the 14th. And the reason we've got to talk about the 14th is that usually the 13th into the 14th, around with this time, 12th, 13th, 14th, we're all getting excited about the Perseids, the meteor shower. It's arguably one of the best. Some would argue the Geminids are the best meteor shower, but it's cold. You know, <laughs> that's later in the year when it's cold, but this is the Perseids in the summer. It does usually depend on what the moon is deciding to do about which one of those two is better. And this is where we have the conundrum because we've mm -hmm. just mentioned full moon is on the 12th. Yeah. So the Perseids peak in the early hours of the 13th. So the moon is right in the way. So this mm -hmm. is a really bad apparition for the Perseids this year. It's a shame. 
I would say, though, don't give up because there are some bright Perseids. So, you know, you won't have the rates that... I mean, I, I bet there'll be a lot of media outlets saying, oh, look out for the Perseids and there's 100 plus or 120 per hour. And they'll have completely forgotten there's a virtually full moon up there. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't. We're astronomers, aren't we? <laughs> this something. We, we know better. But, uh, but it doesn't mean to say it can be a complete washout. So it is well worth keeping an eye. You, the, the actual radiant is over in the northeast after midnight and it rises high so it improves your chances so you need to look about 45 degrees away from that and ideally if you can hide the moon and remember the moon will be over in the southeast sort of thing just hide the moon behind a building or anything that can hide it just to shield yourself from the brightness you might see some of the very brightest of the Perseids themselves so it's not a complete washout but uh, obviously as the moon gets out the way Although the peak is on the 12th, 13th, the, the people often forget it's spread over um, about a week and a half to two weeks. So, you know, you can get Perseids later on in that week. So keep looking. I always think it's worth giving it a go anyway, even when the moon is full, because I've seen meteors, several meteors from a meteor shower in the middle of a completely light polluted city when there was a full moon and you can still see some. It just means you have to wait out a little bit longer. Um, you might not get as many as you would like to see but you know again as we always say on this thing it's it's a challenge <laughs> it is and it's well worth having a bit of patience for this sort of because mm. as i say you know you are battling against the light skies but it's well worth trying just in case and even if you don't get to see any you do always get to have a look at the moon so yes mm -hmm. yes exactly yes exactly sort of thing you know, there's always something to look at isn't there um on the 14th the moon will have moved over and it'll actually have form a triangle with Jupiter and Neptune. Now, this is in the, again, shock evening sky. This is 11 o'clock, so it is quite late. But Jupiter is now in the evening sky. So it is getting better to view. So on the 14th, we have the moon forming a nice triangle with Jupiter and Neptune. Now, bear in mind, Neptune will need... Uh, an instrument to view either large binoculars or a small yeah. telescope but it gives you an idea because it's almost equally spaced between them for below the actual two planets so it's a nice sort of even triangle so uh, you can use that as a guide to finding neptune but jupiter is in the evening sky so again we've got jupiter we've got saturn we've got neptune we've even got the minor world vesta as well in the evening sky now so they are improving so it won't be mm. too long you know give it a month or two sort of thing when we start talking about them in the evening sky so this is absolutely mm. great so this is the 14th then of august staying with the 14th and the evening sky keep an eye on saturn because the 14th it's saturn time mm. that's because it's its opposition now opposition is when a planet rises as the sun sets and sets as the sun rises in other words it's opposite the sun in the sky and this means it's the transition from the morning sky into the evening sky this is why saturn is becoming better place to observe and from now on it will be rising in the evening sky and it'll gradually get better place for us to observe in a nice convenient time instead of the early <laughs> hours of the morning so this is opposition on the 14th so 11 o'clock look out for saturn it forms a nice triangle in actual fact with delta and gamma capricorni and it's been moving past them sort of thing so again if you like motions of the planets although saturn has been doing it very slowly over the last month or so you know it's worth 
keeping an eye on this. So we end the week really on a, on a real high with Saturn actually opposition. And as it's higher in Capricornus, those of us who are bemoaning the fact that it took ages to pass through Sagittarius and was very low and very poorly seen. Now it is beginning to improve both visually and for those who like to image it as well. So uh, mm. things are on the rise for Saturn. And I say it's that opposition on the uh, actual 14th of August. There we go. Does definitely sound like the 14th of August is going to be a date for your diaries. Lots of things going on then. And you might even see a couple of Perseids as well at that time. Um, so, yes, I hope some of our, our listeners will be able to get out there and see Saturn. Maybe take some images. Uh, if you do... Uh, going forward from now on, please do let us know um, over at www.skynightmagazine.com. We have all the details of how you can submit those to us and potentially have them appear in the magazine. We always love to see your images. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us about that today, Paul. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited about Saturn. I, 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 it is a <laughs> lovely planet, isn't it? It's it's one of those ones that they always try and get Saturn in whenever you're at a star party or you know a, a sidewalk astronomy event because it is just such a lovely thing to see the, the, those rings or ears depending on what quality instrument you're looking through but it's absolutely beautiful so hopefully some of you will be able to get to see it if you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skynightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. 